today on CityCast Madison. Madison's been debating whether our police force should wear body cameras for years. Madison Police Chief Sean Barnes says he's ready to launch a pilot program to test the technology on rank-and-file officers. A 90-day trial would equip officers at the North Precinct with 48 body cams. Barnes designed the program and says cameras will be good for both civilians and police, but he still needs final approval from the city council. The chief gives us his pitch. It's Tuesday, May 16th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Chief Barnes, hello. Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you for having me. Of course. So you've called body cams for Madison's police department a must. Why is that? I think it's a a must uh, because when you think about um, what police officers do on a daily basis, um, we need to be able to have some accountability, uh, not only for our officers, but the way in which we treat uh, people, which is a big part of of this job. I think that uh, most police departments have adopted this tool. Most police officers have approved it, and that was not always the case. So I've been involved with the Body One Camera uh, program since 2012, two years before Mike Brown and Ferguson, which was 2014, when then uh, my chief, uh, Ken Miller, brought us in and said, hey, I think I want to pilot body-worn cameras. And I was one of those who were in the room with my arms folded and uh, my lips turned to the side going, um, we're not going to do this. I don't want to do this. You know, we are, you know, the protectors of the community. People should trust us. Why is it necessary to add this uh, undue level of scrutiny on policing when we're going out doing the right things every day and we put our lives on the line for people? People trust us. And he explained to me that, uh, you know, those who 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 don't understand uh, the past and what accountability really means are doomed to repeat it. And um, because I was against it, I joined the the team to pilot it and um, not quickly, but subsequently realized that it's a tool that could really help with transparency, uh, especially around critical incidents, because uh, more information is better than less information. And so you've actually been a part of a pilot over a decade ago. You've seen that process already. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, we were recognized as the first police agency to give all patrol officers a body-worn camera, and that was in Greensboro, North Carolina in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so when you were hired as Madison's police chief not too long ago, uh, two years ago, uh, were you surprised that the entire force didn't already have body-worn cameras? Well, I was surprised that the that it was not an implementation plan. Um, I, I felt that with the, the technology being so prevalent that we should have been further along than I think we were. I was I was my understanding that there were calls from the community uh, in 2012 to 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 go to body worn cameras. And then the police said, hey, OK. And then people said, wait a minute. Nope. If they like it, it must be wrong. <laughs> that was at least the interpretation of some of the people internally. But no, I, I really think that, um, you know, it, it, it shocked me, but not surprisingly, though, that there were not body-worn cameras. First of all, I think that the majority of people in our community 
they really trust our police department. I think the sentiment of our community is that we're doing well and we do the right thing. And so it wasn't that surprising that we did not have that. Yeah. And I think you, you're not wrong when you're saying the feeling was kind of like, well, if the police want it, it must not be for me. Like the, that level of trust wasn't there when these early conversations are happening. It sounds like you're feeling confident that that has shifted. Um, but that's really what this is about, right? Accountability and having the opportunity to have another check on, on police behavior and also being able to release it to the public. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think it is about trust. It's about accountability, but not just for us, right? It's also about the trust for the for the for the community as well. Someone who calls in to fill the complaint, hey, I was on a traffic stop. The officer did not give me my driver's license back. And I got to the airport and I couldn't find it and I couldn't get on my plane. I'm very, very upset. This is poor police practice. You know, how quickly could we look at the uh, a camera and see the officer giving them their license back and the person thinking that it's going in the cup holder but it actually goes in between the seats. Um, we all make mistakes. And so my point is it's accountability for everyone, not just for us, because there are times, uh, Bianca, unfortunately, where community members don't rise to the level of, of our expectation as a community either. And it's going, it's not going to discriminate between the two. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's an important thing to note. Yeah. Trust is a, is a two-way street. So a pilot program to equip some of Madison's police officers with body-worn cameras was approved more than a year ago. Why has this pilot taken so long to get moving? Correct. So you're right and then a little bit wrong. So it wasn't fully approved. It was uh, approved contingent on a policy uh, submitted to the city legal to ensure that we had complied with the Body One Camera Feasibility Committee to the best of, of our ability. Um, we have since finished that. The policy was with one of my assistant chiefs who decided to retire uh, last year, which kind of set us back a little bit. And I wanted the pilot to go in the summer. So it really wasn't too much of a rush, uh, but now we're at crunch time. We finished the policy. We have worked with um, Dr. Broderick Turner, who's now at um, Harvard, Virginia Tech, to help us uh, with the actual pilot project. Uh, we've submitted or will be submitted a PowerPoint just to guide uh, folks through who wanna know what's in it. And um, I, think, uh, I think we're in a good place to get started. Yeah, retirement certainly shake things up. <laughs> we're seeing that across the city. Um, and you mentioned the Police Body Worn Camera Feasibility Review Committee. They started back in April 2020 and then put out the report um, in January of 21. And so you're saying you, you guys all you went through that. Um, so you're through that process. And now it's before the, the council. Yeah, yeah, it'll be before the council. Um, of course, uh, city legal will take their time to do their due diligence. I feel very confident that they will they will be uh, fair and impartial. And then once they're done, they'll make a presentation to council, which is which should be we hope uh, a formality because I think we did a really good job uh, on the policy. Sure. So it, it was a close vote last time around. There there's been a fair amount of turnover on the council. Do you have any concerns that this new council might? cancel the pilot? Or you, it sounds like you said it. you're feeling positive? Yeah, I'm feeling positive. I had an opportunity 
to meet the new council members. I think um, all of the department heads are in one way or another trying to meet or, or, or to gauge what their interests are. But I do believe that the majority that I've talked to think that we should at least do a pilot. Now, they're not all uh, uh, sold on full implementation as I am, but they do believe that there's nothing wrong in, in experimentation and, and there's nothing wrong in, in running a pilot. You don't know, right, until you uh, go through the process. Um, and I think that's very, very important. I have a, a whiteboard in my room and uh, in, my, in my office. And on that whiteboard, it says, uh, uh, don't just have an idea, build a model that proves it. And I keep that on there because it's something that I heard and, and it makes me think about when you have an idea about how can I improve community trust? If I have an idea about how can I improve community engagement, giving voice to community members through a, um, a systematic program is, is very, very important to me. Um, we got a grant for six officers for youth community engagement, and we have objectives for those officers and how they're going to spend their time. Will that make a difference? Uh, we're doing midnight basketball now. Um, we're ha I have a chief youth advisory board that I've had since I've, I've been here. So we're not, we don't just have an idea. Uh, I don't believe in just having an idea. I believe in also having a model uh, to prove it. And that's what we're trying to do. And the model is, can we have some type of adaptive uh, fix uh, to the problem of trust in our community? Yeah. And so this is, this tool will be, like you said, used for accountability, used for trust. Um what and it's going to be you'll be collecting data it would be a pilot to see how well is it going how would you know it's been successful like what would success look like yeah so um there are and this is what i like one of the things that i like about the body one camera feasibility committee's report is that if you look at the last page there's a list of um, um questions that they think you could answer like how much time does it take are there malfunctions did the officer forget to cut it on are there fail safe? Does the buffering work? There's a list of things that we can look at. And then there's some things that Dr. Turner put in there that he thinks that we can find out. And so we'll be working together. We'll be determining, you know, how much time does it take to do this? How do people feel? One of the things that I've heard from our community very loudly is that, you know, will our immigrant community feel uh, over-policed or under undue scrutiny because of the body-worn cameras? This is one I can answer now. The answer is no, we will not be using body-worn cameras to turn over to um, immigration control agents. We don't do that, and we've never done that. Um, we won't be using body-worn cameras to to search through and look for people, you know, who may be wanted. We, we, don't, we, won't, we won't, first of all, we don't have time to do that. And then number two, that's not something uh, or practice that we've, that we've ever done. We really don't have what we call a, a surveillance state here. Uh, in the Madison Police Department. We won't use it for facial recognition. Um, there's an actual city ordinance against that. So there are a lot of fail safes uh, within it that people need to know yeah, about. Yeah, so um, if if ICE, let's say, um, requested the footage, you all wouldn't be giving it over, basically. You wouldn't be required to, and you wouldn't take that practice. Well, that well, be... well, they would have to go through the same public records requests as, as anyone else. Um, and so I, I just don't see that happen in, it probably wouldn't happen in theory, but they don't work that way. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. But again, 
there will be no voluntary giving of, of body-worn camera footage to ICE for purposes of immigration control. I cannot remember that ever happening. I wanted to ask about how the data will be managed. Yeah, so um, first of all, let me say this. So we already have body-worn cameras and camera footage in Madison. Mm-hmm. So it is not, so the things that people are worried about, if it hasn't happened yet, it probably won't. We have dash cams. We upload that at the end of the night, just like we do anything else. Our officers who are on motorcycles, they have body-worn cameras. When they're riding motorcycles, they have the ability to capture that incident. Our SWAT operators, when they are doing a search warrant or a SWAT operation, they have body-worn cameras on. So it is it is not that foreign, I think, uh, to the Madison community. So it depends on what company we use. And so most of the companies have what's called a cloud-based server. And so the data remains on that cloud-based server, similar to YouTube. And so when you go to search for something on YouTube and I type in uh, Bianca Martin, I'll get everything associated with that name. It's the same the same way. Everything is CJIS compliant, so you don't have to worry about uh, information uh, being leaked or being uh, taken away. We have a public um, information or public records manager who will be managing any information related to body-worn cameras that goes to anyone that requests it. There's two levels above her. There's a, a manager, a records manager, that will have to sign off. And then I created a new position, which is a which is a director position that would have to sign off as well. And then of course, I'm the final say in that. So there's, I believe enough uh, checks and balances there to ensure that we will not just be giving out information just because we can give it up. And you know, there are some folks who are concerned about the money. What will this cost? It sounds like, you know, this might be, you know, an additional certainly additional tasks for people that need to manage the data. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen you say uh, that it will cost us to not have these cameras. There's a lot of data out there about the cost of lawsuits. There's a lot of data out there about the cost of time and how long would it take to investigate a complaint of an officer not giving me your license back, giving you your license back. That's time and money as opposed to being able to quickly see that it was given back and maybe it was dropped in between your seat. I will be very transparent that if we go full implementation, uh, even after the pilots, the pilot shouldn't cost more than what's in the budget, obviously. And I think there's about 83K in the budget to run the 90-day pilot. I think that's sufficient. But when it comes to full implementation, which we're not there yet, I don't know how much it will cost. Because as a as a department that doesn't have full implementation, the upfront costs may may be higher than the main than the maintenance costs, or vice versa. Depends on how you do the contract. One of the main discussion points around police body cams is about the footage and getting it released to the public. And I know um, one black leader in Madison, Ruben Anthony, president CEO of the Urban League of Greater Madison, has said he's a proponent of body cams. Um, And he's talked about it like we've 
been able to see how footage can make a difference in, in instances, <laughs> incidents. And he, he really hopes that it can be made, the footage made available to families and communities right away. Like where, I'm just, you know, trying to dig into this trust issue. And I feel like that would be one of the main ways the community would be able to see if there was a major incident. Unfortunately, it, it does depend. It depends on what's in the footage. Because if there's children in the footage, we want to make take our time to ensure that we redact those faces. If it's uh, license plates or things of that nature that can identify someone, we're legally responsible for redacting those. The good news is the um, companies that manufacture this product, they understand that and they've heard from um, police agencies. We know that uh, we can redact things easier than we did when I first started, and that helps get things out. Another thing we have to think about, uh, Bianca, is the proprietary ownership of it. It's our footage, but if it's an officer-involved shooting, it becomes evidence. And so we've been talking with DCI, uh, who investigates, well, mostly investigates- um, The in Department of Correctional- the Department of Criminal Investigation, Criminal Investigation for the state. But um, that's very important and letting them understand that, hey, if there is a law enforcement shooting and it is controversial, with, as it should be, and there's an amount of public scrutiny, you know, we're going to need to come to some terms on uh, quickly redacting and releasing part of this as, as long as it doesn't inhibit your ability to make a good decision, which usually it doesn't. Um, so I'm certainly committed to getting information out to our public as quickly as possible. What other cities have done, which have, have made a, a big difference, is the principals who are involved, uh, family members, mayors, police commanders have all created processes to where family members can come in and sit and say, hey, we're, we're not able to release this just yet, but it's day one and I know you're tired. But when you're ready, I want you to come in and see exactly what happened with that interaction. And, and that has done well, because even though the community may want to see, uh, they may not have a right to see early on because of family members. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that um, the early test will be if there is a critical incident, how soon can we get that information out? Because it may not be a correct answer. If I say 24 hours, somebody's going to say, why not 12 if I say 12, they're going to say, why not six? If I say six, they're going to say, why not three? And so on and so forth. So it'll take some experimentation. Well, thank you so much, Chief Barnes. Um, we really appreciate you giving us your time and giving us uh, a broader view of what this pilot will include and why you think it's a must for the department. Absolutely. Thank you, Bianca. That's Madison Police Chief Sean Barnes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. This Friday, our state will honor fallen police officers at the annual Law Enforcement Memorial Ceremony. This will include an officer squad procession from Olin Turville Park to the Wisconsin Law Enforcement Memorial site at the state capitol. We'll toss a link with more details in our show notes. In other news, there is early talk about potential 2024 challengers to Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin. Republican Congressman Tom Tiffany, who represents parts of northern Wisconsin, gave a speech far from home this past weekend, right outside of Milwaukee, to two dozen conservatives. Tiffany also recently bought two website domain names last month, should he officially run. 
And according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, another conservative interested in challenging Baldwin is Madison banker Eric Hovde, who unsuccessfully ran for U.S. Senate in 2012. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell someone interested in community policing to subscribe to our podcast? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Take care.